you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. When you find your place, please stand with me for the reading of reverence of God's Word. Like I said, I hope this is a help to you. I hope it's a challenge to you. Um, over the next month, I know for sure, um, the Lord has really got my mind and my heart on challenging the church and, and challenging us to take our Christian walk to the next level. Um, so many times we get this mindset of just, I'm going to ride this plateau right here, and that the Christian life is, is a plateau. My Christian service is a plateau. I reach that point, and then I don't do nothing. We have that mindset. I don't know where it came from. It started probably, probably 30, 40, 50 years ago if you look at history and people begin to think their Christian walk gets to a certain place, their service, and it plateaus. Y'all know what I mean by that. It flattens out and we don't go no further. We stop right there. But I think every day we need to try to take our Christian walk to the next level. Um, and you're going to notice that kind of theme uh, of going on and where my heart, where my mind is on things. to, And it's not to sit here and to, and to show you what you're not doing. Okay, please don't think that. Please don't think that as my preaching is, I'm trying to point out what you're not doing. I'm just trying to point out and let God convict your heart of what you should be doing. Um, and that's my goal. So don't think I'm preaching down. Don't ever, ever think I'm preaching down to you. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If I've got a problem with you, um, I'm not going to handle it from the pulpit. That's not how I work. If today, if Brother Cole makes me mad today and I got a problem with him, and him's going to take it out here to the woodshed, he's going to kick my tail and we're going to come back, all right? No, I'm just kidding. If I got a problem, we're going to go to my office, we're going to sit down and talk about it. I'm not going to handle it from the pulpit. But I do think as a whole, as a church, and as just looking at the church across America and the world that we live in, all of us Christians can take ourselves to the next level, including myself. So I promise you, Paul said this, that when he preached, he first wanted to be a castaway. So I've asked God as I preach these messages to let me be a castaway. God, show me my faults and my failures first before I ever take it to the pulpit. And the Lord has, and and I hope He continues to, and I pray that He does. But let's read right here, and I hope this is an exciting message this morning. I hope it is, because I'm going to try to be exciting this morning. I about said Revelation 24. They're into Revelation 24. Joshua 24. Joshua 24, verse verse number 14, verse number 15. Now therefore... Fear the Lord. And I say right here, your service better start with the fear of the Lord. Not that you're scared of Him, but you reverence who He is. That's what that word fear means. It don't mean that we're going, oh Lord, oh, I'm scared of you. That's not what He's saying. It is an awe or a we respect Him so much that it almost becomes that scared to do anything but what He wants us to do. And that's where we need to fear the Lord. And serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you do for us, God. I thank you, Lord, for the spirit and the service you've already given us, God. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for the excitement in the atmosphere of the days to come. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us and challenge us, challenge us, God. And, God, that you would just make a difference in our lives this morning. 
God, help us take our Christian service and our Christian walk to the next level. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And if there's one here lost this morning, God, please convict their heart, show them their lost condition, show them their need of you. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Colt man, where you at, buddy? In my bag, in the front pocket of my bag is a handkerchief. Will you bring it to me, please? It's in my office. Thank you, buddy. Anyway, uh, so I said this a minute ago, and I'm going to say it again. My mind has been on challenging the church. Um, when we are, everybody, and, and we all say we're against, well, we're against New Year's resolution. Well, how many times has somebody, how many times you said that in your life? I've said it a lot. Well, I'm against a New Year's resolution. I'm just against it. Well, I'll say this right here. Every year, um, when that number at the end of the date changes, for some reason in my mind, I think of a restart. And we've got another chance to make a difference in this world. I preached on Wednesday night about being a difference maker. Y'all see the themes that the Lord, and I didn't plan this. This is the Lord doing this, all right? Um, I just happened to just get caught on here. I, I kind of, it's like a light bulb went off. Lord, this is what you want me to preach on. All right, I got you now. Look, now we're on the same page. And uh, I just started obeying him. Um, but I preached on being a difference maker. And, and, and that, that, that actually, that episode was actually uploaded today on the podcast. So I uh, see, I went, went for another hit for the podcast this morning. Uh, so I challenge you to go listen to that. that. That that'll work. That wasn't exactly the one. Where are you going, kid? All right, wasn't exactly the one I was anticipating. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that'll work. Um, um, I, I can handle that. That'll keep my that'll keep my mouth dry, so I don't spit too awful much. Uh, there was another one in there. That's pretty funny, right there. I don't care who you are. Um, but anyway, um, I, I want to preach on challenging the church, and and this message right here, or this passage of scripture that we're in right here, Joshua has challenged uh, the children of Israel. He's challenged them to be something. He's challenged them them to take another step, and that's my goal today: is to challenge you. When we come to this passage of scripture. Um, um, this is exciting times for the nation of Israel. Exciting times. Joshua has led the children of Israel into the promised land. We know Moses, he led them to the promised land, but God told him that he would never go into the promised land. But he gave and turned the army and the nation of Israel over to Joshua. And Joshua marches in to the promised land. And we know the story of Jericho, we know the, all the story of how they defeated the Hamorites. We know how they defeated the giants. We know how that they destroyed uh, um, all of them that was there. Um, and they, they won. It was exciting times, but Joshua noticed some stuff in the camp. Joshua noticed that as the people were traveling forward, they had one mind and one, or one eye in reverse. They had one eye looking behind them. Can I say this right here, church? We can't get nowhere going forward if all of our eyes is on the back. We can't get nowhere in this walk of life if we keep looking at what's behind us. So you got to set those things to the side and move forward for the cause of Christ. Not only was it an exciting time for the nation of Israel, it was also a very vulnerable time and a very dangerous time. It was a time that the nation of Israel had a choice to make. They could either go after the gods on the other side of the flood where they could serve the God of Israel. And church, I believe that we all have the same mindset in here this morning, that there's not multiple gods, big quote-unquote gods, that we're serving the God of Israel today. 
I believe that we all in here in one mind and one accord are serving the God of Israel. But can I say this morning, church, as I look around the auditorium this morning and I actually put a microscope on my life as well, I don't see any quote-unquote big gods, but I do see some little idols that are creeping up and creeping in. And it's our job today to make a choice. on Are we going to serve the gods on the other side of the flood or are we going to serve the Lord? Can I say this right here? We are in a generation of idols. We idolize everything. We even come up with a TV show called American Idol. I don't think it's as big as it once was, but I remember I, they used to. I remember getting. I used to get home from school. But American Idol comes on the night. I can't wait to see who who goes home, who they pick. I used to love it, and it was innocent. But it does give us a thought of how we idolize people. I think of some of those people who won American Idol. You think about it, they were a nobody until eyes started coming on them. And people started idolizing them. And then you watch their rise to fame as people idolized them. That's our problem. We put people and we put things above God. Yes, we do serve one true living God. We are one nation under God. But if there was a truth to it, we are one nation under God with little bitty idols everywhere. We have to be careful about that. And Jesus is warning us in the end of 2023, going into 2024, to find out, are we going to serve the gods on the other side of the flood, or are we going to serve the God of Israel? It's our time today, church. It's our time. Can I say this this morning? It's time for us to make a choice. As I look at the church today as a whole, not just necessarily Pleasant View Baptist Church, but the Christian church, of America and the Christian church of the world, can I say this right here, I see a Laodicean mindset. I see a Laodicean mindset. And just so you know, the church of Laodicea makes God sick. Alright, just keep that in mind. The church of Laodicea makes God sick. And so can I say this today, I don't want God to look at Pleasant View Baptist Church and say, Bleh. Kyler the other day tried olives for the first time. Now, black olive, it was hilarious. Yes, Miss Faith, it was hilarious. You should have seen it. Brother Cole, he put that olive in his mouth and he went, blah, blah. Can I say this right here? I don't want God to look at us and say, blah. I don't want God to look at my life, not necessarily just the church. The church, I think God is also speaking to each individual ones of us. Each individual is us. As a, I don't want God to look at my family and say, blah. I don't want God to look at my home. We're going to get in that in just a minute and say, Bleh. I don't want him to do that. I want him to be pleased when he looks at me. And so this morning, church, i got to move quickly. But this morning, I want to look at some choices that we need to make. Our life is full of choices. And the moment you wait, Colt does not like making a choice. If you say, Colt, we're going to go to Walmart and you're going to pick you out a toy today. Every once in a while, can I say that, parents, you just need to take your youngins to Walmart and say, pick you out a toy. Give them a dollar amount because I promise you they're going to get greedy and they're going to go way high. Give them a dollar amount and say, I'm going to go pick you a toy. Go, we're going to get you a toy today. If I do that to Colt, Lord have mercy, we're going to have seven emotional breakdowns because he's going to have to pick between one toy or the other. And he don't want to disappoint me because, you know, he thinks in his mindset, I've got a toy I want him to have. And he don't want to disappoint me, and he thinks his mama's got a toy. He, so he's trying to make three choices in his head at one time. We're all full of choices. Let me give you this. In 1975, the typical American supermarket 
had 9,000 products, 1975. I'm not picking on anybody here, but an older generation that may have been around there in that time. Do you remember the supermarkets being as full today or back then as they are today? They, we have today, it, we are packed full of toys. Let me give you this. By January of 2014, the number had grown to 47,000 products per supermarket. 47,000 products per supermarket. Consumer Reports studied this drastic increase. One super, one, El Uno supermarket, they went and studied. I thought this was interesting. Mind blown. Look at this right here. 27 different varieties of Crest products. Something to brush your teeth with. 27 different ones. Look right here. At a local stop and shop, they found nine varieties of Pringles. Y'all know the Pringles? My, I'm getting hungry. I'm about y'all. I'm getting hungry now. Nine varieties of Pringles. And then 11 different flavors of Cheerios. 53 types of Campbell's soup. And then according to one of those studies, they missed 21 more products. Missed 21 more. Can I say this right now? We live in a world full of choices. Choices. Every day you got a choice to make. You wake up every morning, what am I going to wear today? Men, that's easy for us. The first thing we reach. Women, Lord have mercy. Y'all got to go in there and look and look and look and look and look and then pick the first thing you looked at. I could have saved you a lot of time. Uh, I, I told you, honey, I told you look pretty in that first thing you pick. That's what we, men, are we right? Are we right on it? It's a, I promise you I'm getting somewhere at this point. Some choices that we need to make. So I want to take the word choose. If you underline in your Bible, look in your Bible, verse number 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. Underline that phrase, choose you this day. And we're going to look at that word choose. And we're going to break it down as an acronym, an acrostic, However you want to say it, each letter, we're going to give a word for each letter. And we're going to break some things down today that you need to choose. Number one, you ready to get your socks knocked off right here? I'm telling you, this is deep. I'm hoping y'all know where I'm going with this one. Number one, the letter C this morning, some things that we need to choose. We first of all need to choose Christ. We need to choose Christ. Uh, we need to make that conscious effort that today I'm going to choose Christ. When it comes to anything in my life, I'm going to choose Christ. When it comes to making decisions in my life, I'm going to choose Christ. When it comes to uh, what I'm going to do, even what I'm going to do this very afternoon, I'm going to choose Christ. It's time today that we as Christians make a, a, a physical, spiritual, emotional effort to choose Christ. Can I tell you where we've all missed the mark is we don't choose Christ every day. I thought about somebody in our Bible. I was looking through Bible characters and I thought, where are some Bible characters that made choices? And what if they hadn't have made those choices? And I couldn't go but, but one place. What about the thief on the cross? What about the thief on the cross? You ever thought about this? What if he had waited one more day to make the choice to follow Christ? What if he had waited one more day? He'd have been dead. He'd have been dead. And he'd have had no hope. He made two choices on the cross. You need to study him out. The thief on the cross. He's an interesting person. I'm talking about the one that was with God in paradise. He's an interesting person. When you study him out, you're going to find out that when they first were put on the cross, when all three of them first made their stand in the public presence on the cross, he done something. 
he mocked Jesus. You'll find out that when he first was hung on the cross and he first was put in the torment, he joined the crowd and made a choice not to choose Christ. He made a choice to mock him and to make fun of him. He made a choice to do that. You can find it. It's interesting that he done that. But as he heard the words of Christ, as he heard, Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, when he heard those sayings of the cross, I don't know, there's seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. I don't know exactly which one that clicked on him, but there was something that clicked in his mind. And he made a choice that day to go for God for the rest of his life. His rest of his life was very short, but he still chose to go for Christ the rest of his life. And what did Jesus say about the man? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What about him? What if he would have just had waited one more day to choose Christ? Now say this right here, he would have died and went to hell. Had he not, but he went at the exact time when God knew he was going to kill Can I say this right? I can't help but think that Jesus, as he was hanging there in the pain and agony, in his mind he had a countdown. In his mind, and he was thinking, he's about to ask me. And he knew his response as soon as he was going to say anything, that today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Can I say today, church, you need to make a conscious effort to choose Christ. To choose Christ. i got to move on or I'm not going to get done. Number two, look at the letter H. Look at the letter H. I couldn't think of but one word that fits right here, and it's home. We need to choose a godly home. We need to choose a godly home. Can I say this right here? That's one thing that we fail at in America. We've lost the godly home. Can I say you what a godly home looks like? It looks like a husband who loves the Lord. A husband who loves the Lord first then loves his wife second, then loves his children third, in that order. That's what a godly home is. If you'll love God first, you'll put God first in your life, you'll be like God, uh, or the, as Paul said to, uh, to the church, and he said that husband love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's more than just laying your life down. I promise you right now, every husband in this room you would do everything you could in your power to protect your wife on a physical standpoint. But are you willing to die for her on a spiritual standpoint? There it is. When I look around and I look at my life, it would be very easy, very easy. She's not in here right now, and I really thought she was. That's why I was coming down here. But anyway, it would be very easy for me to step in between her and a screaming bullet. It'd be easy, Brother Cole. If I'm a bad guy and I come up here and I stick a gun at her face, it's going to be easy for you to step in the way. And you're going to take that bullet. You're probably going to kick my tail to get that gun out of my hand. You're going to do everything you can to protect your wife physically. But men, can I tell you where we mess up at? Are we willing to die spiritually for our wife? That's what starts with a godly home. It doesn't start with the ladies. It doesn't start with the lady. It starts with the man. Now to the lady. You may say, well, my husband is just not who he needs to be. That happens. It just does. It, it, it's, it's part of life. But can I say this right here? You can make the steps 
not to be the leader over him, but you can still die spiritually for him. You can get as spiritually close as you need to be. I promise you, you get filled up with the Holy Ghost, you go walking in the house filled up with the Holy Ghost, and it's dripping off of you, he's going to notice something, and there's one or two things going to happen. It's going to drive him absolutely crazy. You don't know what he's going to do. He may leave you, but you're still spiritually fit. You're still spiritually filled. More than likely, you're going to start affecting him. You're going to start affecting him. But I'll say this right here. If you don't go into the house spirit-filled, you go in the house filled up with your flesh, he's going to start convincing you you're going to get yourself down. That's what you'll find. But if you'll go spirit-filled, it'll change a godly home, making the choice to have a godly home. Can I say this right here? This is something I encourage you to do. You need a family altar in your home. You say, what's a family altar? Anything that you want it to be. Can I say this right here? A bed can be a family altar if that's where you pray at as a family. It can be a hearth. Or how do you call, what do you call that? A rock? What's the place around a rock place? Think that called a hearth or what's that called? The little thing around a fireplace? That can be an altar. Or you can get a piece of wood and make you something decorative. Put up against a wall somewhere. And that's your altar. We've got this log that we've not put together yet. I'm still, for years now, I've been trying to think of something I want to do with it, where I want to put it in the house, and I just can't get settled on it because I don't think I can find a piece of wood. It's about that thick, Brother Cole, and it's about 10 foot long. And it come out of a log cabin. I don't think I'm going to find one for free <laughs> uh, to be able to make another one. So I want to make sure I make the right decision. But can I tell you what this thing's done? Colt knows where it's at. It's laid in there behind my study. It's just laid in the floor. Every once in a while, we actually physically go to that altar as a whole family. 95% of the time, we actually gather in Colt's bed. Colt will climb up on one side, Kyle will climb up on the other side. We'll all pile on that little twin-size bed. That bed is screaming for mercy when I get on. Um, but we'll get on there, and we'll pray as a family. And can I say this right here? There's times where I mess up, and I, think, and I get other things on my mind. And Morgan has to look at me and say, you're going, we're going to pray with the youngest tonight, right? We're going to go there and pray with the youngest. And that's my fault. But can I say this right here? We need to, men, be the ones who lead our family in prayer. You need to take that step and say, we're praying today. We are praying. And I will go ahead and say this. And ain't nobody in here that is part of some people I know that do this. They ain't going to get mad at me if they hear me do it. But everybody saying a little prayer that's quoted out of the Bible is not praying. That's just, that's just repetition. He said, and we talked about praying, he says avoid vain repetition. Avoid that. Can I say this right here? Men, you need to learn to pray. Learn to pray. Learn to get a hold of God. You say, how do I do that? Get in a truck and start praying. Go out there, bust some wood, start praying. Just talking to God. Just start talking to Him. And the next thing you know, the next time you pray in front of somebody, it's going to be a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier. I remember the, fir I remember the first prayers I prayed in church. Cole, do you remember the first time you prayed in church? It was nerve-wracking, wasn't it? Holy cow, a lot of pressure on you. I remember my first prayer in church. I was about right here. At a and I'll never forget Bill Jenkins. I remember Bill over at conference. Bill Jenkins looked at me and he said, Heath man, they called me Heath man growing up. He said, you want to pray for us this morning? And I went, oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> I forget what I prayed now, but I think it was along the lines of this right here. Lord bless this offering. That thing do for That was about it right there. That was pretty close and gone. And I would, and the next time, it, and you know, a few weeks would go by, and he'd say, "Heath, you want to, brother, or uh, not brother?" He'd say, "Heath, man, you want to pray for us again?" <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a little And I take off. My mama used to play the piano, and she used to get so tickled because she would see how far I could make it from here, holding the offering plate, and how many pews I could make it down through here before she started playing, before she realized I said amen. And she said, Sometimes you'd make it about three or four pews. But before long, it got a lot easier and a lot easier to pray. And can I say this? Let me tell you why it got easier to pray. It's because I got more. It got more normal. How normal is your prayer life? I want to say this right here. If, if, if you prayed today, and don't this this is a this is a comical illustration. This ain't how God works, okay? But let's just say He did. If you prayed today, does God go? Well, who in the world's voice is that one? I ain't heard that in a while. Holy cow! Who's that? Or does He just know your voice? Is it a common voice that's going in his ear? Does he know your voice? You ever thought about that? Can I say this right? I got, a, I got off track. But I'm talking about a godly home. And it starts with us men leading a godly home, having a prayer altar, spending time reading the Bible, talking about the Bible, talking about stories of the Bible, just talking about it, talking about things of the church. Maybe not talk about how bad the preacher is. Even though it's probably true, don't talk about him. All right? <laughs> there, I, I got, there, there, there's enough demons in my head that tell me that, that, that I don't need nobody else. Don't, don't do that. Uh, but talk about the church, you know? Talk about, you know, talk, can I tell you what you should do every once in a while? You should think, man, that choir was on point today. Even if they wasn't, at least thank it. And then say, thank, because Paul said this, thank yourself happy. Men, when you get home, on your way home from work, you need to be thanking yourself happy. Don't worry about what happened at work. Leave that there. It'll be there tomorrow. One of the greatest things that I ever found out in my life is the day that I hang work up and I go in. I, holy cow. We ain't got service tonight. Y'all hang tight. Can I tell you, men, what we need is a hang-it-up tree. Anybody ever heard of a hang-it-up tree? I just made it up. I, if you've heard of it, good for you. Men, we need a hang-it-up tree. Let me tell you what we need to do. We need to plant a tree in the yard, and as we walk by it, we need to hang our work hat on it as we go in the door. When we walk through that door, leave work behind. It's time to focus on the family. It's time to focus on the family. I got to get done. I got to hurry. We gonna get. It's going to take. We're, I'll be quick, I promise. We need to have the home. The Bible says this, and now that was my thoughts on the home. Let me give you the Lord's thoughts. Isaiah 32, 18 says this. Listen to this verse right here. We probably should put this in our home somewhere. 32, 18. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and ensure dwelling in a quiet resting place. We probably need to put that up in our home. What about this in the book of Proverbs 24, 3 and 4? Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding is it established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What is the begin? Well, where, where does wisdom start with? Feed a man lack wisdom, let him ask of the Father. It starts with praying. There's where that came from. There you go. Proverbs 24. All right, I got to move on. I'm not going to get done. The letter C, we need to choose Christ. The letter H, we need to choose a godly home. What's next? 
What's the next letter? O. Can I say this right here? We need to choose the right opportunities. Choose the right opportunities. In everything that we do, we need to speak to the Lord about it first. When, as, as, when's the last time you've done something and said, God, is this what you want me to do? When's the last time you made a big purchase and you said, Lord, is this your will for me to have this? We, me and we joke about that. There's some things you don't have to pray about, and buying a gun's not one of them. I'm just kidding. But all joking aside, when we buy something for ourselves, y'all ready? As you buy Christmas presents for your family, as you buy Christmas presents for your grandkids, for your kids, you may want to ask this question. Is this going to draw them closer to God or is this going to draw them further away? Lord, is this toy going to draw them closer or is it going to push them away? You better... Some of you look at me like cast in a new gate. It's the truth, though. It's the truth. I'll say this. If I allow my youngin to get it now, I, this I, I ain't half of you ain't got no youngins the same age as mine. But I got I'm preaching to myself on this one, so y'all just hang tight a minute. And I'll get back to y'all in a minute. If I put my youngin in this sport, is it going to draw them closer to God, or is it going to take them away from God? Here's you. Here's one for the adults. Now you ready on your way there? If I accept this job, does it draw me closer to God, or does it push me further away? Choosing your right opportunity. I said this Wednesday night. Opportunity knocks once. Opportunities will knock once, but temptations will beat down your door all day long. Opportunities will knock once, but temptations will beat down your door all day long. So I want to ask you this morning. I want to say this. I'll go ahead and say this. Your current job you got right now, the one you go every day, is it drawing you closer to God or is it pushing you away? You say, you don't understand how many years I've got invested in this. I get that. I don't understand how many you got. But can I say this right here? It's still godly for you to approach God about it and ask Him, God, is my job drawing me closer to you or is it pushing me further away? Is this habit that I have drawing me closer to you or is it pushing me further away? We need to choose Christ. We need to choose a godly home. We need to choose the right opportunities. Can I say this right here? Choose the right opponent. Choose the right opponent. The Bible says this in Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against rulers and darkness of the world, against spiritual and spiritualness and wick and high, I'm sorry, spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Can I say this right here? Choose your right opponent. I'm not your enemy. You are not my enemy. Our opponent is devil. Can I say what we all need to do? Put on the whole armor of God. That way we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's what we need to do. You choose the right opportunities. I want to say this right here. I thought about the word C for Christ, H for home, the two O's, opportunities and opponents, then the letter S. We need to choose service. We need, can I tell you what you need to strive to do? Serve as Jesus served. Here's your podcast to go look up. And I'm here to tell you, look up this message. I think, I, I think we just need to listen to it about once or twice a year, maybe three times a year. And I do this, on, and I've heard it now for the last five years. I could just about quote the message. I've heard it so, much, so many times. Brother Todd McKeon, he preached this message at Bible Baptist Church in Roswell, Georgia. He preached this message 2016, 2017 sometime, then he preached it. I didn't hear it for another two years later. But that's what's so good about the podcast. I can go back and look it up as many times as I want to. And here's what he preached on, serving 
as Jesus served. Serving as Jesus served. One of the stories he gives in that outline is he talks about he was pastoring a church, and where he lives at, he lives on top of the mountain in Robbinsville. Or he used to. I think they've moved now, but he used to live on top of the mountain. And Brother Jimmy, he said, you don't just come to my house. You've got a purpose to come to my house. He said it was like 11 o'clock at night, and he was he heard some ruckus on the front porch. So he done what any God-fearing, red-blooded American does. He met him with a 357 at the door. He said he opened that door, and here come a log of wood, come chunking at him, flying at him. He said, whoa, what was that? And he said he was one like, whoa, whoa, what's going on, what's going on? And he had preached on one night, or he had said, I didn't preach on it, I'm sorry. He said in conversation that he needed some wood busting. And he needed some wood for the fireplace because he was so busy being on the road that he hadn't had time to bust wood and that he was going to take a day off from work, take a day out, take a day on, on a Saturday, then just take the whole day to bust wood. And he, pre- he had mentioned it at church that day. Well, sometime during that day, that evening, that man of his church just thought, you know what, my preacher needs a need. And I'm going to go to him. And I'm going to help him out. And he said, I got some wood out here. Probably not going to use it all. I'm going to load it up on my truck, take it to the preacher. He took now. Now, granted, I think the man should have chosen a different day besides eleven thirty at night. Um, but uh, but anyway, it is what it. He brought a wood, wood and threw it to him on his front porch, and he just served as Jesus was served. Brother Todd McKeon never asked him to do it. He just saw the need and he done it. Can I say this right here? You don't need me to tell you to do something. You don't need me to hold your hand to do something around the church. If you look around the church and it needs to be done, just do it. Just do it. You don't need to ask my permission. Now, if it comes to making changes of the carpet color or the paint color, you may want to consider asking the preacher. All right? Just throwing that out there. All right? If it comes in, it's going to cost the church some money, you probably should ask a preacher about it. But if you come in the house of God and you say, Lord, have mercy, there's a little dirt right there on the floor. Can I tell you what you don't need to do? Don't go to my wife and say, Lord, have mercy. You see that dirt on the floor? You see that? Don't go to her and tell her. I don't even think you ought to come to me and tell me. What you should do, go to the bathroom, get you a paper towel. You ain't got to be acknowledged for it. I know I was giving me and Brother Zach, I'm just giving us a hard time about decorating the church. You see the church needs to be decorated. You may want to ask Miss Morgan if she's got something in mind that she wants to do. But if you see the church needs to be decorated, just do it. I'll say this right here. I'm going to give you, here you go. Give you, here's a Christian service effort right here. Y'all ready? We ain't got a clue how to hang this garland right here. All right, these two things, we tried yesterday for two hours, trying to figure out how to get, look at this right here. This microphone is holding this piece in place. Y'all didn't know that. Look, that thing will slide back and forth. Zach ain't going to touch it because it'll fall. If you've got an idea of how to hang that up better, just do it. All right? You don't need nobody to tell you. All right? Being a Christian service, we're all in this together. Now, like I said, if you're going to come in here and think the church needs to be painted a pink color, you may ought to bring that up in a meeting sometime or come see me about it, all right? If you think we need to change the carpet color, you may ought to want to bring that up, all right? If you think we need to have the parking lot repo, you probably need to bring it up. You understand what I mean by that. But if you see something in the floor, just get it. If a chair is out of place, just fix it. You don't need acknowledgement. Just serve as Jesus served. I promise you, I'm trying to get done, but the Lord's just giving me so much. I just, I just got to give it to you. What about when Jesus served the disciples? 
He came as a, he came in the form of a servant. When he, when, he, when he went and washed the disciples' feet, now I ain't going to go, I, I thought about it right there and just using Nicole as an example, and I ain't touching his feet, all right? But can I say this right here? He washed the disciples' feet. Why was their feet dirty? Why? They had contact with this earth that they couldn't help but have. They had to walk from place to place. They could not help that the dirt got on them. And can I say this? What With the sin around us, every once in a while, we're going to get a little dirty. Every once in a while, we're going to get a little dirty on us. We need somebody to straighten us out. We need somebody to say, listen, I'm not as clean as I need to be. I'm not as close to God as I need to be. I'm not the Christian that I need to be. I want to try uh, to listen to the convictions that God is placing on my life and be obedient to them. I promise I'm trying to get done. I promise. Being a servant, I saw my service. Acts 20, 35 says this. And I've showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's easy preaching. But it's hard living. It's hard living. I say this right here, when you see a need, you just need to do it. Just need to do it. Just need to do it. As we come against the verse of some song, I'm going to give you my last point. And then we're going to go home. The letter E. The letter E. Real simple. Really, really simple here. Y'all ready? Choose Christ. Choose a godly home. Choose your opportunities. Choose the right opponent. Choose service. And then E, choose eternity. If you're lost this morning, why don't you choose eternity? If you're saved this morning, realize eternity is your home. Eternity is your future. Realize that. As she